In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are only now just over two weeks until Christmas. And I said last week, three weeks, and even just that one week seems to make a big difference uh, psychologically. Christmas is coming, it is almost here, just over two weeks until the Feast of the Nativity of our Lord, and I hope that you're ready. And if you're not, thankfully, as we've been saying, uh, whoever's been preaching over the last few weeks, that the church continues to prepare us for the Feast of the Nativity and continues to bring to mind specific remembrances so that we can be sure to be ready, as ready as we possibly can be. And this morning, of course, is no different. And this morning, there are two very important uh, points that I want all of us to be able to remember as we continue to prepare for the Feast of the Nativity. Two very important points. First of all, fundamental truth, all of us, every single person born on this earth, minus one, is in need of a Savior. All of us, every single person ever born, minus one, is in need of a Savior. And the second point, just like it, connected right to it, and we have that Savior. All of us need a Savior, and there is a Savior that we have if we prepare ourselves to see Him and to approach Him. So the commemorations today help us to understand that. First of all, we're celebrating the conception of the Mother of God by the righteous Anna. Now, as we've said before, there are three people in the church that we celebrate their conception and we celebrate their birth. Of course, Christ. We celebrate his conception on the Feast of the Annunciation on March 25th. And we, of course, celebrate his birth on December 25th, exactly nine months apart, right? Today, December the 9th, we are celebrating the Feast of the Conception of the Mother of God, and when do we celebrate her birth? On September the 8th, nine months minus a day. We celebrate her conception and her birth nine months minus a day, and John the Baptist, we celebrate his conception September 23rd, and his birth June the 24th, nine months plus a day. Because even in the, the way that the feasts of the church are set up, it's meant to remind us that only one person, only one person is perfect, and only one person is our Savior. And you know, sometimes because we see icons of these great people, especially the Mother of God, here we see her in, on a very prominent spot in the apse of the church and all over and in the hymnography of the church, and we hear about John the Baptist, we might forget that she needs a savior too. And so the way the church sets up all of these feast days with her conception today on December the 9th and her birth on September the 8th, even if it's just one day off of nine months, to show, to, to symbolize for us that she's not perfect and she needs a savior just like all of us. All of us are in need of a savior. Every single person born on earth minus one, is in need of a Savior. And that one, of course, is the Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we all need a Savior, first. And second, we have a Savior. 
we have a Savior who is mighty and powerful. And I can talk about uh, the, the, the conception of, of the Mother of God uh, in that way about Joachim and Anna, but we've heard that before. Well, there's another commemoration that we have today, very similar from the Old Testament, that helps us to know and understand that our Lord is strong, that our Lord is mighty. And the person that we are celebrating also today is the righteous Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. Now you can read about the, the righteous Hannah in your scriptures. Uh, the, if you have the Orthodox Study Bible, the first book of kingdoms, if it's not the Orthodox Study Bible, it's 1 Samuel. It is the exact same book, just a different name, 1 Kingdoms in this one, 1 Samuel in others. But it's in the first two chapters of the first book of kingdoms. And Hannah um, was actually one of two wives, you, did, you heard me properly, one of two wives of a man named Elkanah, and Hannah had no children, and the other wife had children. I can't recall her name. The other wife had children. Well, Hannah was completely heartbroken about this. And it says even in the scripture, there are a couple of places where it says that she was heartsick. Really, uh, over and over, heartbroken, heartsick, heartbroken. It says three or four times in the course of just about two verses about how despairing she was about this. Well, she, it even says she was so despairing that she wouldn't even eat. Sounds like she was depressed. How many of us have felt that way about things that were not going right in our life? So what does she do? She goes to the temple. Hannah goes to the temple. She falls down on her face. She begins to pray, and she's praying so fervently and so passionately. It says in the scripture that uh, her mouth is moving, but the words aren't coming out so nobody can hear her. And the priest, Eli, who is there, thinks that she is drunk. And he wants to get her out of the temple. And so he goes over to her and he starts to shoo her out. You're making a scene. Get out of here. And she says, oh, no, 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 no. I, I am coming here to pray. I am very distraught because I would like to have a child. And I'm praying that God would give me a son. And if he does give me a son, then I will devote him. Uh, he will be devoted to the temple. And Eli looks at her and he pauses and then he says, go in peace. The Lord has heard your prayer. And so she goes home peacefully. And then, thanks be to God, she conceives a child. He's born and he becomes the prophet Samuel, uh, who is the one who uh, anoints the first king. And so we have the one who anoints the first king, of course, in that long line of kings which will arise, the king, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But when Hannah after she gives birth to Samuel, after he is weaned, she brings him back to the temple, and there at the temple, she prays a beautiful prayer. And just like last week when we had uh, Habakkuk, and I, I uh, mentioned his prayer in chapter 3 of Habakkuk, and I hope that you all read it, when I mentioned his prayer, that it was one of the prayers of the church that was used in the hymnography of the church uh, throughout many different services, the same is true of the prayer that Hannah says when she goes to the temple to give thanks to God. And in this prayer, she really shows, she really shows how strong and mighty and powerful our Savior is because she shows her trust in him. And I'm only going to read two verses from uh, her prayer but I'm going to send you home to read the other eight verses. 
And so the, second, the first book of kingdoms, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, are Hannah's prayer. Not very long at all. So I'm going to read the first verse and the last verse from this prayer, which helps us to show how strong and mighty our Savior is. Hannah says, she begins, My heart is strengthened in the Lord. Remember, she, it says she was heartbroken. My heart is strengthened in the Lord. My horn is exalted in my God. I smile at my enemies. I rejoice in your salvation. She smiles at her enemies. She knows that she has a Savior who can defeat anything that she might face. And the same is true of all of us. Now, skipping ahead to the last verse. She goes on and says, The Lord makes his adversaries weak. The Lord is holy. And here's where she really goes in to say that we all need a Savior. Let not the man of learning boast in his understanding. It doesn't matter how much you know. Let not the man of might boast in his might. It doesn't matter how strong you think you are, how capable you think you are, how responsible you think you are. Let the man of riches, nor let the man of riches boast in his riches. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how many possessions or wealth or what it is that you have. She goes on and says, Only let the one who boasts boast in this, to understand and to know the Lord. It's almost as if Christ quotes her, and when he himself says, This is eternal life, to know God. So boast and trust only in the Lord. We all need a Savior to understand and to know the Lord, to do justice and righteousness in the midst of the earth. And then it's as if she skips forward and is able to see all the work that Christ does because she says, The Lord went up into the heavens and thundered. The Lord judges the ends of the earth. He gives strength to our leaders, and he will exalt the horn of his Christ. We have a mighty Savior. All of us need a Savior. We have a mighty Savior. Two fundamental, very important points for us to remember, especially as we are preparing for the Nativity of Christ. So there are two weeks left. Maybe you haven't fasted one bit. Maybe you haven't done any of your homework. Okay, you've got two weeks. Make these two weeks different. Not just because you're finishing up your Christmas shopping and not be just because you're finishing up all your decorations and your plans and baking cookies. Make these next two weeks different because you know you need a Savior. Make these next two weeks different because you know that you are going to welcome that Savior, He who comes in the flesh our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate for us and for our salvation. That's what we're preparing for. So may these next two weeks be filled with the preparation of welcoming that Savior with open arms, welcoming Him into every single aspect of your life, and it starts by knowing that you need a Savior. And once you humble yourself and realize that, you can say, you know what, and I have one. And brothers and sisters, let us rest all of our hope on that, to boast in that knowledge that we have a mighty Savior who desires nothing more 
than to save us. Let's prepare for him. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.